Welcome to Sing Coach Conduct, the podcast for singers and singing teachers. Welcome to Sing Coach Conduct. I'm your host, Megan Ferrison. I want you to watch two videos. I would even encourage you to pause this episode, go watch the videos, and come back with your thoughts. The first video is a recording of Tony Bennett singing I Left My Heart in San Francisco on The Ed Sullivan Show in 1967. The second video is Tony Bennett at the age of 94 singing the same song in 2021 at an event called One Last Time, live at Radio City Music Hall. Study the way Tony Bennett sings and hypothesize why he's been able to sing so well his entire life. Obviously, we can't compare notes, but you can see if we notice the same thing. And I'd love to hear your thoughts after you listen to this episode. You can email me at thesingingconductor.com. Now would be a good time to pause and watch the videos. All right, I hope you watch the videos and you've made some observations. So, I have my theory about why Tony Bennett has been able to sing for nearly a century. But first, I want to tell you a story. A few years back, I was working one-on-one with a woman in her 70s who sings in our church choir. We noticed that when she got to C5, she couldn't make any sound. We tried all sorts of things, but no matter what, her voice would just cut out in the same spot. So I asked her if she had good insurance. She said yes. I asked her if she'd be willing to see an ear, nose, and throat doctor, otherwise known as an ENT, and she agreed. Then I asked if I could go with her, and she said yes again. I wanted to know if something was going on that prevented her from singing above a certain pitch. She was fine singing in her chest voice, and she was able to sing the middle notes in her mix, but something was happening as she approached the head voice register. When we went to the ENT, I explained who I was and what I was doing there. I watched as he looked down her throat. I was sure he was going to find something, but he said to her, "'Nothing's wrong. Everything is normal for your age.' I asked him, "'What do you mean, for her age?' That's when he began to tell me about the Presby Larynx. This was interesting to me because I work at and attend a Presbyterian church, but I didn't know what that meant. It means old larynx, he said. It affects women more than men, but it happens to everyone to a degree. When you're young, the edges of your vocal folds are even, and they sit together nicely from top to bottom to vibrate and create sound. As we age, our folds begin to thin, and there are even tiny divots that make it impossible for the folds to come together smoothly. Something clicked. I realized that at some point, this woman's folds were not able to come together and make sound. I knew that the higher we sing, the more the vocal folds stretch and thin out. I thought about my older singers in the choir and how sometimes it was difficult for them to make sound, and I noticed how they were always singing with so much space and darkening everything. For instance, if they had to sing the word God, I could tell they were singing God. Lord was Lord. All was all. You get the idea. Anyway, it it made sense to me why they were doing this, because for forever, choirs have been using lots of space to create a certain kind of sound and create a blended sound with each other. The problem is, what they've been doing for decades is now getting in the way of them being able to sing at all. 
At this point, you might be asking yourself, wait a second, are you suggesting we stop singing dark vowels? That we stop singing with space? No, I'm suggesting you teach your singers how to sing with space in a way that won't impede their ability to sing later in life. I'm suggesting you teach them how to sing, not just how to be a member of a choir. It's not our fault that in general we choir directors aren't scholars of teaching voice. I had a great education, but I only had one semester of vocal pedagogy. How was I supposed to understand the voice without more training and extensive opportunities to practice what I've learned? I couldn't, not until I sought out real-life experiences, like the summer after my first year of teaching when I taught voice lessons in our tiny duplex while in the final trimester of my pregnancy. I gave up a lot of my summer to build skills in understanding the voice and to grow my choir program by teaching my students to sing well as individuals. As a bonus, it was some extra money to pay the bills. After 15 years of directing choirs and teaching private lessons, here's what I've learned. There are singers who walk into our choir room with a gifted ability to sing well, and by that I mean to sing with focus and resonance whether they're singing bright or dark vowels. They're the people who will go on singing for most of their life without assistance from others. They are the exception. Unless you direct a professional choir, most of the singers you encounter need you to teach them how to sing well, how to build strength and vibrancy in their tone. And a lot of beginning singers will over-open just because they think that's what you do when you're in a choir. For untrained singers, when you ask them to sing an ah or an ooh or an ah, they do two things. One is a conscious choice, the other they probably don't even know they're doing. They choose to shape their mouth, or we'll call that the space, to match whatever vowel they're singing, but they don't have any awareness of what the tongue is doing. Maybe the back of the tongue drops with the mouth, and as a result they swallow the sound. Or maybe the tongue doesn't change even though the shape of the mouth changes. Either way, If they're not paying attention to the tongue placement, it's likely they aren't actually matching vowels. To a choir director, it looks like everyone is doing the same thing, but what's happening on the inside of their mouth is even more important than what's on the surface. The tongue is the main controller of the vowel, and it functions independently of the space. I teach this concept with a simple game. I stand in front of a choir and say to them, I'm going to pretend like I'm singing, even though I'm not going to make any noise. You tell me what vowel you see. Then I make different shapes with my mouth, and they shout out things like ooh, ah, ah, and so forth, based on what they see my mouth doing. When I come back to ah, and they shout ah, what they don't know is that the sides of my tongue are up, forming an E vowel, and that's when I make sound. They're surprised that I was actually singing an E, even though I looked like I was singing an ah. I ask them, how is this possible? Eventually, someone will half whisper, the tongue? Yes, I say, and that's because the tongue is the main controller of the vowel, and it moves independently of the space you create around it. So now the singers know, if their choir director wants a warmer sound, they can open the space without letting the back of the tongue droop so low they can no longer get resonance and vibrancy. With the awareness that the tongue plays a vital role in singing, they calibrate their tongue and space to get the sound that's desired. 
Okay, so what does this have to do with Tony Bennett? Well, I notice Tony sings a lot like he speaks, with a sort of neutral space. Also, his tongue isn't sitting low in the back of his throat. He opens the space for higher notes, only the amount that's needed, no more than that, so the vocal folds can still come together and vibrate. Basically, if he can continue to speak in his old age, he can continue to sing. When I'm talking about over-opening, I like to use this metaphor. If you're building a bridge, the longer the bridge is, the more support it needs underneath it. The shorter the bridge, the less support that's needed. So it's easier for singers to sing in a more neutral space rather than over-opening. The more proficient they get as a singer, the more you can play with space without them losing their resonance. Teach your students that the tongue and the space are independent and can be utilized to create different tone qualities. Use smaller space and brighter vowels with beginners to build strength and confidence. Then, as singers become more proficient, experiment with opening the space more and letting the tongue drop without compromising the resonance. Teach them to sing so they can sing for life. Thank you for listening to Sing Coach Conduct. We hope you enjoyed the show. You can contact Megan Ferrison on Facebook or Instagram or by emailing thesingingconductor at gmail.com.